Welcome to the Disrupting Obesity Podcast. I'm Charlotte Skeins, and I'll be sharing ways to regain control over your body and lose an extreme amount of weight naturally. Being fat is about so much more than just the food. It's about your relationship with food. That means that dealing with your weight is about more than just the food too. You have to change that relationship. You have to start disrupting obesity. Welcome back. This is number four in the question series. I'm loving the questions you're sending in so far, so please keep them coming. I'm either gonna have to start making these episodes longer or I'm gonna have to make my answers shorter so that I can get to more of the questions. This episode only has five of them, but I wanted to make sure that I really, really answered them. So I'm starting off with one of the most common misconceptions I see, and I even get to throw one of my own out the window, and I believe this for years. Next up is a question that comes up a lot, like a lot, a lot, and it really comes down to priorities. Third, I'm doing a favorite topic. I see this struggle all the time, and I just wish I could reach through my phone or my computer and give people a hug. Today's fourth question is a pretty personal one, but it's not nearly as personal as the last question. And it's one that I get trolled with and complimented with. It all just depends on how they put it. So let's go. This first question stopped blowing my mind a long time ago because I see it so often, but it's still maybe just a little shocking. Isn't clear alcohol low calorie? All the time. Lots of people think clear alcohol doesn't actually have any calories at all. And it's okay if you're one of those people. This is a huge myth that's been super pervasive for a very long time, like a crazy long time. I always thought, like right up until I was doing the research for this episode, I believed that gin had fewer calories than other hard alcohols. There's also this thing where we just blame the mix. It's not the rum, it's the Coke. It's not the tequila, it's the margarita mix. I mean, yes, the mix usually has plenty of calories too, but it's not shouldering this alone. So no. Clear alcohol is not low calorie, and it's definitely not calorie free. If only it was, because the super unfortunate reality with booze is that it's pretty high in calories. Here's what you're actually looking at when it comes to liquor. So an ounce of rum, vodka, gin, whiskey, or tequila, they're all the same, 65 calories. Liqueurs are more. Bailey's is 107 calories an ounce. 12 ounces of beer is 160 calories. A five ounce glass of wine is about 130. So yeah, there are some calories in there. I'm not anti-liquor. I seriously don't care. I haven't been able to drink for years because of my pancreas, but I really don't miss it. So for me, booze is like anything else. Have it, just track it. Make it fit into your daily calories. I know there's a tendency to assign value to calories, right? I'm still in the a calorie is a calorie camp when it comes to extreme weight loss. I'm completely aware that some calories are better for you than others. A hundred calories of vegetables are better for you than a hundred calories of candy. But assigning a moral value to food is counterproductive when you're trying to lose a lot of weight. So forget about the moral stuff when it comes to alcohol too, and just look at it as a number and don't forget the mix. Next up is a good one. So many of us battle our weight for years. Some of us, our whole lives. It feels like it's never going to end. So I really get this one. What would you prioritize when it comes to weight loss when I've been doing this for a while and I've gained back most of what I've lost and I'm almost back to my starting weight? I would go back to the basics. Track. Track as accurately as you can. Focus on tracking. Focus on spread, sprinkle, pour. Basics. Small incremental changes. But above all, you need to be tracking. 
accurately. And if you think you're tracking accurately and the scale still isn't moving, you're not tracking accurately. If you've been doing it for years and you need a reset, focus on your tracking as accurately as you possibly can. And I really do know that that sucks. I do, but it's the shortest distance between two points. A bonus I see here though, and it really is a bonus because I don't think it applies to people who've only been doing this for a little while, or if this is their first serious attempt, really narrowing your focus on the numbers can be a great way to reset because narrowing your focus is gonna blot out some of the other stuff that's bogging you down and distracting you from getting the work done. It's also gonna get you results. And that's definitely gonna be the jumpstart you need. So if you have to zero in on what you're eating, and that may mean measuring and weighing your food, if you have to do it for just a few minutes to get yourself back on track, it's worth it. And it really pays off. You wanna lose weight, right on. The only way to do that is to be in a calorie deficit. Whether you're losing weight for the first time, the seventh time, or you've never stopped trying to lose weight, it's the same. If you're not in a calorie deficit, you won't lose weight, period. The only way to know you're in a calorie deficit is to know how many calories you're taking in. And the only way to know how many calories you're taking in is to track what you're eating. And as we saw in the last question, you've got to track what you're drinking. It's not just the calories from booze that people think don't count. It's the calories from a lot of liquids. Sure, it's only a couple cups of coffee a day. And we all know that coffee doesn't have any calories. Neither does tea. True and true. You know what does have calories though? Cream and sugar. The large coffee is no calories. But the large coffee with cream and sugar is nearly 300, which is 60% of your daily calorie deficit. So yeah count the liquids. And if you think it doesn't count because it doesn't have calories, check. Plug it into your app to make sure. I had a client who was devastated when I broke it to her that the orange juice she was so proud of drinking instead of pop had almost as much sugar and more calories than the pop she gave up. 20% more actually, 20%. Solved the mystery of why she wasn't losing weight though. Unless it's water or celery, it probably has calories. If you've been at it for a while, you likely already know the basics, so really narrow in on them. If you spread it, sprinkle it, or pour it, focus on that. This is your low-hanging fruit, a super easy way to cut calories in a hurry without cutting in on how satisfied you feel. Go back to episode 17, spread, sprinkle, pour, for more on this one. Episode 16 will probably be helpful too. Foods you spread, sprinkle, or pour tend to be high in calories and very calorie dense. So you get a big amount of calories in a small amount of food. Peanut butter, mayonnaise, butter. I think spread is pretty self-evident. So are the other two though. Sprinkle is things like cheese on pizza, bacon, or nuts in a salad. You pour salad dressings and honey and oils. High calorie and calorie dense. But you can cut them back incrementally and you're not going to feel it. Going from a couple tablespoons of anything to none is a big deal, but shifting down to a tablespoon and a half is a pretty reasonable drop. It's manageable. And in some cases, you're not really gonna notice. Small incremental changes. And this is why I can't do more than five questions. We're only on question two and I've been yakking for a while now, but that's what I'd do. I'd go back to basics and I would focus hardcore on my tracking and I'd work at getting into a true calorie deficit. Low-hanging fruit, 
incremental changes. Question three is one I like answering because I really want to be encouraging. It's a big thing for me. And with this question, I feel like I have a real chance to do that. I only lost blank number of pounds in X amount of time. What am I doing wrong? Nothing. Not a damn thing. The only issue isn't actually with you, but it's just that you've bought into the toxic diet industry's cultural brainwashing when it comes to how quickly and how consistently you should be losing weight. And this isn't on you. And it's not just you. We've all been conditioned to believe that we should be losing at least at the very bare bargain basement minimum least, we should be losing a pound a week, every week. But the problem isn't with the bare minimum. It's with the extremes that get glorified and normalized. It's with the way we've been told that we need to lose more, that the minimum is just a starting point that no one should be aspiring to. You've gotta lose more. But the bare minimum isn't a starting point. It's your finish line. It's what you should be shooting for, and anything else is just gravy. Anything else is jumping up and down excited time. That so-called bare minimum is attainable. It's a decent goal and a fairly reasonable expectation. Distinguishing between goals and expectations is a huge piece when it comes to extreme weight loss, and it's a huge topic. The next episode is actually just about that, so I'm not going to go too far into it today. But goals are great and they for sure need to be reasonable. But it's absolutely paramount that your expectations are. What you want to happen is one thing. What you can reasonably expect to happen is something else entirely, and you need to be actively managing both. But more on that next week. It's great to shoot for that one pound a week bare minimum that we're all told to shoot for. But if you're losing a half a pound a week, you're doing just fine. Don't panic. You're not doing anything wrong either, but it's okay if you feel like you are. That's pretty normal in this climate. You're not though. I talk with people almost every single day who are disappointed in themselves because they didn't lose as much weight as they thought they should. Women who are upset because they only lost eight pounds that month. And I know how badly you want to get the weight off as quickly as you can, but it just doesn't work that way. I'm sure you've heard this before, and I'm pretty sure you thought it was horseshit. But losing four pounds a month means you're doing very well, as frustrating as that is. Extreme weight loss isn't a straight line. You're going to have ups and downs, flat weeks where you don't lose anything at all. You're going to have months where you lose like five pounds, but you had a week that you didn't lose anything and another week where the scale was up a pound. You have to push yourself to be consistent, and it's so key to this whole thing. But you can't for a second expect the scale to be consistent with you. Just put that right out of your head and stop beating yourself up because you think you didn't lose enough weight. Did you lose any amount of weight? Yeah, that's a win. Did you not gain weight? That's a win too. Focus on that instead of making yourself feel like shit because you didn't lose more than a pound. Do it for your sanity, for your motivation, for your mindset. If all you're doing is criticizing yourself and feeling like you're not enough, it's going to be really hard to keep going. You want to make it easier to keep going. You do that by celebrating yourself and every little win that you can find. I'm a fan of this next question too, and it comes in a few variations. What keeps you full? I feel hungry all the time. First and foremost is my intermittent fasting schedule. And this is going to sound nuts for a minute, so please bear with me. 
And I'll say right off the hop that the reason this works for me is because I found the optimal time for me and my body to eat. It's not about the time of day I eat. It's about the fact that it's the right time for me. I realize my schedule isn't for everybody, but I totally believe that everybody does have a schedule that will work best for them. You just have to find it. I've always disliked eating right after I get up. I've always disliked breakfast. Love breakfast foods. Don't want to eat them in the morning. I've known since I was a teenager that as soon as I break my fast, whenever that is, I'm done. I'm going to be hungry from that point on out, but not before. So if I have a conventional breakfast shortly after waking up, I'm going to start thinking about lunch by mid-morning, and I'm going to be hungry and fixating on lunch by late morning. I'm going to want an afternoon snack. I'm going to be really hungry again by dinner time. So that's all pretty healthy and normal, I think. But here's where the dysfunction kicks in. Because I'm going to want to eat all night long. From like an hour and a half after dinner, right up until I'm ready for bed. And I'm a night person. Going to bed anytime before midnight is early for me. So if I start eating at eight in the morning, by one, I'll have been eating for 17 hours. I'd say it's probably not a great idea, but I know it's not a great idea because I used to weigh 338 pounds. It's a super bad idea. But if instead of doing the 17 hours of eating thing, I skip breakfast, I won't start to think about lunch mid-morning or late morning. I won't think about lunch at all or have lunch. And I won't want an afternoon snack either. I'll be ready for dinner, but I won't feel like I'm starving. A few hours later, I'll have something else to eat and it'll be fairly substantial, like a lunch. And a couple hours after that, I'll probably have a snack. So I'm taking in the calories my body needs. I'm just doing it at a different time and in a more compressed time frame than just about everybody else. Most of the time I do a 16-8. And I answered a question about my schedule back in the second question episode, which is number 22, if you wanted more on that. So my intermittent fasting kept me from feeling hungry. And if I want to stop myself from feeling hungry, I focus on protein. Things like eggs in particular keep you feeling full longer and that staves off hunger. I'll bulk up too. Big salads. I really like the chopped ones with lots of crunchy stuff in them. I'll look for bulky, low calorie options. From a mindset perspective, I make choices that let me eat all of something. I find that really, really satisfying and I always have. And it really doesn't matter what size something is, so long as I'm eating all of it. It's just, it's a psychological thing. I have no problem with sitting down to an entire package worth of instant pudding. Like, the whole bowl. All four servings. It's still fewer calories than a single chocolate bar, and I ate the whole bowl. That makes me insanely satisfied. All kinds of bells and whistles go off in my brain. And I don't know how many times you've eaten the whole box of pudding, but it's a good bit. Like, it's a lot of pudding. Same with the no sugar jello. You can eat the whole box for like a hundred calories. Super satisfying. I've got a meringue recipe. Uh, I pinned it on my Instagram and it's 50 calories for the whole batch. That's 25 of them. So there are ways to do it that are just as much about satisfying your mental and emotional hunger as they are about satisfying a physical hunger. Here's the other side, and maybe I'm not supposed to say this. I don't think I've heard a lot of people talking about this, if anybody, but I'm going to do it anyway. But please hear me out until the end. There's nothing wrong with feeling hungry. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. 
not a single thing. And I don't know when that cultural shift took place. I've got a pretty good idea, but whatever, that's a total aside. It used to be normal to go into meals feeling somewhat hungry. Now it's like we've got to be fully full all the time. I'm not sure that's normal. So long as you're eating no less than 500 calories below your TDEE, there's nothing wrong with feeling hungry and being hungry. And those are two different things, by the way. You can feel hungry and not actually be hungry at all. And you know what I'm talking about. When you're not hungry, but you just really want to eat, that. You need to be eating enough food to keep your body well-nourished, period. You already know I don't believe in dropping too many calories. I'm the one suggesting you drop in 200 calorie increments and not from your TDEE, but from the number of calories you're used to taking in. I'm realizing I should maybe break that down a bit. Your TDEE is your total daily energy expenditure. It's the number of calories your body needs every day. The number it burns doing everything from breathing to walking to digesting your food. It's based on your height, your weight, your age, and your gender, and your overall activity level. When you start tracking, your app is going to suggest a number of calories for you to shoot for every day. That's usually your TDEE minus 500. And it's 500 because 7 times 500 equals 3,500, and a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. Way back in episode three, I talked about TDEEs and BMRs and some of the more technical aspects of calories, if you were looking for more in that direction. When you start working with me, I have you spend the first two weeks tracking what you eat without changing what you eat. I have you do this, first of all, so that you become aware of how many calories you're actually taking in. It's an awareness thing. I also have you do it because I want you to ignore the number your app suggests. One of the biggest ways I dealt with hunger was by making small incremental changes. You can't go from eating 4,400 calories a day to eating 1,800. The jump's too big. Figure out how many calories you're used to and then subtract 200. I like this too because it incentivizes tracking accurately. If what you get to eat next week hinges on tracking everything you eat this week, you're more likely to really track. It's in your best interest. I wasn't hungry because the changes I was making were gradual, not sudden and sweeping. Those kind of changes where you wake up on Monday and you start eating all new things and restricting the hell out of yourself, those kinds of changes aren't sustainable. Small and incremental are the way to go, and they're not the same thing. You want to be making small changes to what you're doing incrementally. Little changes, little bits at a time. I wasn't hungry because the changes I was making were gradual, not sudden and sweeping. Those kinds of changes where you wake up on Monday and you start eating all new things and restricting the hell out of yourself, those kinds of changes aren't sustainable. Small and incremental are the way to go and they're not the same thing. You want to be making small changes to what you're doing incrementally. Little changes, little bits at a time. So if you're eating three sandwiches for lunch every day, cut back by a quarter sandwich each day for a week, and then another quarter the week after that, small and incremental. Making your changes this way is going to make so many other things so much easier. But this question was about hunger, and it for sure helps with that. For sure, for sure. So if you're eating three sandwiches for lunch every day, cut back by a quarter sandwich. Do that for a week, and then cut another quarter the week after that. 
small and incremental. Making your changes this way is going to make so many things so much easier. But this question was about hunger and it for sure helps with that. For sure, for sure. I've had this last one asked a couple of different ways. Well, with different intentions, at least. Sometimes it's said in a compassionate and curious way, and sometimes it's said in a way that tells me they really wish I would pack it in and stop wasting everybody's time. Why are you doing this? Good question, and I've got an answer. It's hitting a little different right now because I'm coming off being sick again, and this time it was a doozy. I'm feeling very lucky to be alive again. And I gotta tell you, this is the third time, and having your life saved it doesn't seem to get old, at least not yet. <laughs> I knew I had to do something the first time my life was saved. I knew really early on. I knew it very quickly. I couldn't survive something like that and not do something with my second chance. And when the shit hit the fan last year in the late spring, and then again this year in the late summer, it just kind of underscored all of that, like a kick in the ass to keep going and not give up on what it is that I'm trying to do here. And I know how corny that all sounds and I don't give a single shit. I'm unapologetically sappy and I just don't care. So I'm doing this because this huge thing happened to me and I survived it by the skin of my teeth and I just feel like I have to do my best to help where I can. And this is an area where I feel like I can help. Losing a lot of weight involves changing your perspective. And nothing changes your perspective like knowing that it makes no sense at all that you're still alive. I'm doing this because I remember really vividly how it felt when I was over 300 pounds. I remember how scared I was when I couldn't tie my shoes without getting winded and I couldn't find clothes that fit. I remember how sad I felt about my weight and how ashamed I was. I also remember how long I was in denial about how big I really was and how big of an impact it was having on my life and my choices. I'm doing this because I remember, and it took me a long time to get out from under all those feelings I was carrying around with my weight, long after the weight was off. Being fat completely changed the way I think about things and move through the world. So I'm doing this because I want you to keep trying and keep tracking. I don't want you to be intimidated and I don't want you to give up. You've totally got this. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Obesity with Charlotte Skeynes. If you know it's time to take back control, lose the weight and keep it off, reach out to me privately with a direct message on Instagram that says ready so you can start disrupting obesity.